0: From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. Yo, what's up everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We're back recording the podcast, making his way all the way down here from Thornton. we got the king himself, Jeff Morton.
1: What's up, everybody? Uh, it's a nice soggy day here in uh, Denver. It's pe- apparently it's supposed to be um, raining all week.
0: Yes. So
1: thank you, Seattle, for sending your weather here.
0: And uh, Ross Martin out on assignment tonight. We sent him to Atlanta to cover the Hawks game uh, and to cover the guy that he most looks like, Perro Antich.
1: <laughs> I think Sean Drotar looks more like him. than. <laughs>
0: Sean Jotar <laughs> does kind of look like, like Paro All we have to do is uh, slap <laughs> some tattoos on him, and he'll be good to go. And a full beard. I think he just has the, uh, yeah, he just, the he old just school the goatee. Old,
1: yeah, the old uh, chin beard.
0: Not much hair anywhere else, though. I, the eyebrows and the goatee for old Jotar. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's the old school look. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Nathan, how was your week?
0: Good week. Uh, over the weekend, watched the Manny Pacquiao-Floyd Mayweather fight of the century, which I deemed after the fight the most boring fight of the century.
1: How did uh, that work for you?
0: It was okay. We're, we're finding out now that Manny Pacquiao may have had a torn rotator cuff in his right shoulder. He's going to have surgery. He's going to keep him out for like six to nine months or something. He went into the fight with the injury sustained a month previously, and then they're saying he re-injured it in like the, one of the first three rounds or something. He also couldn't take a painkiller before the fight because he did not check a box that said he had, or he did not disclose injuries, which were required by law for him to disclose. I don't know. Whatever. Excuses are excuses. They are. Maybe they're trying to figure out a way for a rematch, oh. which Floyd Mayweather told Stephen A. Smith. Is that his name? Stephen Smith?
1: Stephen A. Smith?
0: Yeah, is that him? Yeah. The ESPN talking head? Yeah. Yeah, he texted him saying he would fight Manny How next year ever, after he goes up. Blah, blah.
1: However, that guy.
0: Yes. However, yeah. So, I don't know. It was, I didn't think that Floyd really ran it, as much as Manny just couldn't couldn't land anything and, and didn't throw anything. Manny usually throws like 70, in between like 60 and 70 punches around, And his output was like nowhere near, not even like half of that. And it was like, what are you doing? Well, you and that know, happens against everybody that freaking fights that jerk. Nobody ever throws any punches at him.
1: See, I refused to spend money on on Floyd Mayweather, so I didn't watch it. But from everything I heard, there was, you know, not a lot of action in the fight.
0: Yeah, there was, like, a couple times where Manny looked like he was mounting, like, some combinations, and the crowd got into it, and Floyd was doing kind of a rope-a-dope, you know, a la Muhammad mm-hmm, Ali. Mm-hmm. and You know, he's trying to, I don't know. It's just, it wasn't worth the money. It wasn't worth the hype. It wasn't worth shit. And I knew the fight could turn out that way because that's how Floyd fights. He's a, you know, a great defensive boxer, incredible speed. But, you know, for all the buildup I had and for how much I like Manny Pacquiao, it just sucked and it made me sad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially considering the day that it was being fought, Um, There was maybe the greatest Game 7 I have ever seen with uh, Spurs and Clippers.
0: I had to watch the fourth quarter uh, after the fight, but I did watch it. Oh, that's horrible. I was listening to... Did you
1: see me freak out on Twitter? I mean, I was writing in all caps on I didn't get on Twitter
0: because I didn't want to know who won. That's probably good. And I have a a little brother that was trying to tell me he was going to tell me who won. And I was like, seriously, if you tell me who won that basketball game, I'm going to punch you in the face. (laughs) You know, we didn't see a lot of boxing in that fight, but we're gonna have a boxing <laughs> match in my dad's living room. <laughs> I'm gonna you know, hit you, little yap kid.
1: I'm gonna hit you with fingers closed is what I'm gonna be doing. Yeah. Um well, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, people like it came off that great moment and the, apparently the Kentucky Derby wasn't that great either. So of the three events that were going on. I have no idea. No, I no, mean some, some some horse. Um it's gonna be dog food in a couple of <laughs> yes. weeks. Going to the glue factory.
0: Um <laughs> Or it's going to live its life out in a pasture, making other... Speaking of which, you don't want to take shots at horses. They're getting people fired nowadays. The Houston Rockets uh, Twitter guy got canned for yes, posting the Yes, because the, the, the,
1: tweet. Gu- the gun to the head of the horse thing was uh, interesting. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, things can happen. I, I,
0: I saw that at the time. I thought it was hilarious. I believe
1: you and I were here after our podcast and I showed that to you and you're like that was pretty funny man." I liked it yeah <laughs> that was great it happened that night
0: and uh, you know who got a hold of that PETA or something was it one of those animal rights groups that threw a fit
1: Must must have been but you know what? It's Twitter's fault for putting up emojis of a gun and a horse available for people to use in combination,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> he should he should sue whoever the emoji company is. Yes. Is there an emoji company out there? I he don't should, know. He should sue Mike Scott of the Atlanta Hawks. He has emojis tattooed on him. Does he? Yes. Yeah, sue that man. Oh, man. Cost uh, him his job.
1: Well, I, uh, wa- that Game 7 was so intense um, that I has, I was having heart palpitations, I think. <laughs> It's, it was so. I, I'd never seen anything like it. It was just so close the entire time, and I'm like
0: it doesn't. It didn't. It
1: didn't redeem the first round of the playoffs, but it was. It was. It, it definitely redeemed the day.
0: You know, and some people. people you know, well, you saw a lot of complaints nationally, uh, mainly from media that was complaining about why do these teams have to face in the first round? Well, think about this. What if they would have played in this round? And Chris Paul had the injured hamstring. You, yeah. get to, you got to see both teams, I think, at full strength, right? Like
1: through the whole series. Yeah, and then, except man, for I, except for Tony Parker had a thing, like a leg thing, but yeah. I think other than that, so. but
0: I, I mean, I thought we saw both. I don't. I don't take. I like that it was a first round series. I didn't. I didn't even think about that aspect. I mean, whoever you draw in the first round, you draw as Nuggets fans. We got the short end of the stick basically every year under George Carl's tenure.
1: Well, yeah. They're except for fighting
0: that, an uphill battle the whole damn time.
1: Except for that time they played the the um, the, the uh, Spurs twice. Well, okay, okay, you could make an argument. That, you could make the argument that uh, um, the Clippers series was one that they probably should have taken advantage of <laughs> when the Clippers were losing intentionally to play the Nuggets. Yeah, we all knew. And
0: <laughs> was that two thousand five? Two thousand six. Two thousand five, six. So six playoffs. Yeah, everybody, everybody knew. I mean, the Clippers, I think, waxed the Nuggets all season, and it was like they just—it was a matchup problem and whatever.
1: But it was a Mike Dunleavy coached team.
0: Yeah, I I thought I thought that series was great. Um, Obviously, the Spurs Clippers. I thought Blake Griffin kind of went to a different level. He's been doing things that I didn't know he could do. I mean, he's his ball handling, the way he can attack the rim and transition. Or even when he gets the ball out near the three-point line. Pretty incredible. That's pretty good. I mean, he he had
1: two critical turnovers in Game 2, I believe. Yeah. I mean, really bad
0: turnovers. I mean, you still don't want him running your offense. You don't
1: want him. But apparently he ran most of the offense last night against the uh, Houston Rockets as opposed to, you know, Austin Rivers. So.
0: Yeah, so let's go through those series just quickly. You got. Uh, obviously, we got Hawks, Wizards playing out right now. Looks like the Hawks might might tie that one one-to-one. Um, John Wall didn't play tonight. You're the most notorious Atlanta Hawks hater in Colorado, <laughs> according to Matt Moore and according Adam Moore, Yes. So how do you feel the Hawks are going to do in this series, Jeff?
1: Um, the fact that they've been struggling all night against a team that does not have John Wall playing and it's just as Ramon Sessions at uh, Point Guard tells me all I need to know about the Atlanta Hawks.
0: <laughs> Shout out Mount <Matt> Moore.
1: <laughs> so I think the Wizards probably win in six.
0: And I just, I, I had the feeling after the first round, just watching what the Wizards did, the way they changed their game to shoot more threes, the emergence of Paul Pierce at power forward, uh, the emergence of Otto Porter off the bench. I think that they have a good shot to go to the finals.
1: Especially in the East.
0: But I don't know the Bulls look, and then you got then you got in the other Eastern matchup: Bulls Cavaliers. Bulls Cavs, yeah. One nothing Bulls. They're playing what tomorrow probably.
1: They're playing tomorrow, and you know, quite frankly, the the Cavs look like crap, and it's because Kevin Love wasn't there.
0: Wasn't there something weird? Did you watch that whole game? I did. Didn't Le- LeBron looks like he's playing regular season games or something. There's just something missing from him, and they missed a lot of layups too. A lot
1: of layups where they were driving. Yeah. Um, He looks like 2010 LeBron. He just didn't look like he cared that much. Remember the series, the Cavs versus Boston series, where LeBron basically was checked out? Remember that? It was right before the decision. He looked a little checked out. And it it looked that way to me. He
0: looked checked out to
1: me in this game.
0: It's weird. And then you you saw reports of him saying after their game or whatever that he's got to maybe refocus or turn up his game or something like that. It's like, well. I don't really know if you should go to, you know, ISO LeBron if that's what he's thinking. Well, forty shots a game. I don't don't know. Sometimes
1: ISO LeBron is the only thing your team has. Yeah, and quite frankly, you know, other than Kyrie,
0: and they miss JR. I mean, they quite frankly yeah they they really do.
1: They really do miss JR. You know, JR punching uh, what was it? uh, Crowder, uh, Jay Crowder.
0: Jay Crowder was like the number one target in that series. Perkins took him out on that pick earlier in the game.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, maybe it's because of his hair. Something. It's like it's like Fareed. You know, always get people coming after him. I think it's the hair. And this, is, you
0: know, this is uh, <laughs> who's that guy that called out Farid's hair? Josh Smith.
1: Josh Smith. Yes. Yeah, Josh yeah. Smith doesn't like the hair. First game of the season. First game of the season. He, he was very upset at Fareed and his hair.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, well, anyway. That's... So we got that series. Uh, Western Conference.
1: Western Conference. We got the Grizzlies
0: are going to get uh, smacked around again. I think this evening by the Warriors. I think that man. The Warriors are good.
1: The the the, the Clippers good. really miss Mike Conley, and even if he comes back, he's not going to be a hundred percent. I mean, he broke his face,
0: and his foot's messed up.
1: It's it's just not looking good for them. No. So. I would say this is probably a quick work. I mean, unless they do something I suggest to go full 1992 Knicks on them.
0: Well, now Grizzlies fans also know what it feels like to be a Nuggets fan against the Warriors. You're short, one of your best players. <laughs> you got no answer against this team that can just shoot from everywhere. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, we are t- talking about today. You are watching for God knows what reason. The '92 Knicks-Bulls series, and you think the answer is to rough up the Warriors? Yes,
1: well, and, and remember how badly the, the Warriors—mean, ru- I what
0: do you do? Remember how
1: badly the Warriors reacted to the Nuggets, even getting slightly physical with them in that
0: series. Not really, accusing I mean, them, accusing these.
1: them of targeting, uh, targeting uh, Seth, C- Seth Curry, Steph Curry, and not his, not his inferior brother, um, the Hitmen. <laughs> The hitman, the right? hitman thing. I mean, it, it just it wasn't. It they reacted poorly to physical play. The only physical player on their team, well, you could say Draymond Green, but he's more of a pest. It's more of a of Andrew Bogut, right?
0: Bogut. I, I think Green's a pretty physical guy too. I think he would he wouldn't shy away. But yeah, I mean, if you can figure out ways to, you know, kind of bump Curry if he's running through the lane. I, I can't remember what series it was. I think it was in the playoffs though. So. A point guard is running baseline, and somebody just stepped into him for like a screen. I seem to think it was Jaja Pachulia. I don't know who it was, but it was like he just saw the guy cutting to go around screens and just was like, man, screw it, and just stepped in front of him. The guy ran right into him and crumbled, and it was like, yeah, maybe you got to do stuff like that. If, mm-hmm. if Clay Thompson and Curry are going to be running through the paint, you know, hip check them every once in a while or that something, Bulls? you know, okay. make them think about it.
1: People forget about this, and I don't know why they do. Those Bulls-Knicks series, all through the m- mid-'90s, were amazing. They were s- extremely intense. But you always knew the Bulls were going to win. Yeah, but that—I that, that, <laughs> mean, it's like the Knicks should have won in 93 because they had the home-court advantage, and they won the first two games, but then they lost the next four. Yes. you know, But the Knicks really should have won that one, and they were the better team that year. Nope. But I think that—well, at least the regular season record indicates they were the better team that year. Right. And so it, what it makes you wonder is, like, since the NBA is basically legislated physical play out of the game through, as you pointed out today on Twitter, flagrant foul penalties and technicals and all this stuff, it makes you wonder if anyone could be physical with another team. Because, okay, any, any NBA team that's physical right now is nothing compared to what they did back then. Nothing. I mean, Scotty Pippen was getting clotheslined every time he got through the lane by either Charles Oakley or Anthony Mason. And Anthony Mason was like sticking his tongue out at Will Purdue, you know, things like that. It's just it, it's a different era. But at the same time, it makes me wonder, couldn't you really as a team step up how physical you are, especially with a team like with Curry and Thompson that doesn't really like that sort of thing? Couldn't you really do that sort of thing to throw them off their game? Even Mark Jackson, their coach from last year, was like, "Well, I would put him on his butt if this was like the '90s." Well,
0: yeah, you got to figure out ways to run Curry through screens, but hard screens. You know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched. I've watched Memphis. I'm not all too familiar with them. I don't know if that's even in their DNA as a team to get like that. Obviously, you have Tony Allen, you have Zebo, but they need
1: a Dante Jones.
0: Yeah, yeah, they need somebody for sure. Uh, the other series going on, Clippers-Rockets. Not in love with that series so far. But obviously Chris Paul is out game one, game two tomorrow. Clippers, Clippers are weird. I don't want the Warriors to win, so I find myself somewhat rooting for the Clippers because I think they might stand a chance against Golden State. I think
1: the Clippers would have the best chance of any team left in the playoffs. That includes the Eastern Conference. And
0: maybe, I don't know, maybe if the Rockets figured out a way to win, which if Game 1 is any indication, and Chris Paul comes back, if he comes back in this series, they're not going to win the series. But it would be interesting maybe to see a, a Houston team against Golden State. I don't know. Probably not. I, I, think that, I think that
1: Game 2 will tell us a lot about that series, about the mental makeup of, of uh, Houston because they were basically like.
0: You can't go down two games at home.
1: They looked checked out, too, too to me, like they expected to win because Chris Paul wasn't in there. And that that, that, that kind of like was one of those situations. Or, or as Brian Shaw said on NBA TV, they were upset that uh, James Harden didn't win the MVP, so therefore the entire team was checked out. That is exactly what Brian Shaw said on NPA TV last night. Nice hire,
0: Josh (laughs) Brown. Come on, man. (laughs) This man
1: used to coach the Nuggets, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, who knows? But at the same time, who gives a flying you-know-what about these teams? We care about the Nuggets. Yes. We care about the Nuggets. Who cares about these people?
0: As uh, I saw earlier today on Twitter, Chase Thomas had tweeted out, Something about we're all rooting for Orlando to get the number one pick, right? And I was like, nah, dude. No, I'm not rooting for Orlando to get the number one pick. I'm rooting for the Nuggets to get the number one pick. Two weeks away. We'll why find would out. why would people root for
1: Orlando to get the number one pick?
0: I don't know. He said he thought it would be fun to see Oladipo, Peyton, and Carl Anthony Towns on the same team. I was like, I don't find myself hoping or wanting that in any way, shape or form. Mr., you
1: know, the, the, the person who, who said that, what was his name again? Uh, I believe Chase Thomas. I Chase believe? Thomas. Um, the Orlando Magic won the first pick in the draft twice in a row in the 90s.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Two sad.
1: years in a row. They got Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway. They used up their number one pick, Karma. The Nuggets have had none of that. Yeah. It's time for the Nuggets to get the number one pick.
0: That would be the story of the NBA really would. We completely forgot about the Broncos, but maybe we'll get to them uh, later on in the podcast. So May 19th, the NBA lottery is going to go down. Uh, we'll figure out who the Nuggets are going to pick. Uh, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about uh, Chris Dempsey from the Denver Post. had his article yes. today about the Nuggets coaching search heating up. And it, this is kind of a funny thing. So people have been a little bit... Uh, I would say eager for the Nuggets to be in the news for some reason or another. Like It was pointed out that o- Oklahoma City fired Scott Brooks I think within less than a week they already hired Billy Donovan. So, uh, you know, people are kind of Outsized anxious.
1: expectations because of Sam Presti basically hiring Billy Donovan before he hi- he fired Scott Brooks. <laughs> right. you okay.
0: So, people want to see the Nuggets do something, we don't hear anything, and obviously ever since that Billy Donovan news came out, I was getting tweets, I'm sure you were. I was. Obviously Dempsey was about, what are the Nuggets doing? When are they going to do something? Yes. So I think probably that prompted, maybe that prompted Dempsey to reach out to the Nuggets and say, hey, what the hell's going on? Or maybe the Nuggets... You know, it's always interesting to see how those conversations start, but that's how I would guess it went. Is Dempsey just started doing some digging and saying, "Hey, what the hell's going on?" Yeah, I don't think it's that the Nuggets, as a lot of people are saying, are sitting on their hands. I think it's the fact that they got a lot of stuff going on. You have a coaching search, you have the draft, and you have a big off season ahead of you. So there's, well, you know, it's not like they, it's not like they're not doing anything. Whoever Josh Kroenke hires as coach,
1: whoever Josh Kroenke hires as coach will probably be someone on a playoff team in my own personal view and I believe that is why it's taken as long as it has
0: and just going off the candidates again that Adrian Wojnarowski listed and as Chris Dempsey listed and as we've kind of been bantering about too you have you know you, you probably have your headliner guys you have Melvin Hunt you have Alvin Gentry you have Mike D'Antoni you have Scott Brooks you potentially have Tom Thibodeau, although I don't believe. I think the biggest indicator today was Wojnowski writing an article about Thibodeau and mentioning the Orlando Magic but not mentioning the Denver Nuggets. and That's a telltale sign. The Nuggets, I don't think, have any interest in Tom no. Thibodeau. No. He doesn't fit the style they run, so I think we scratch that name off the list. Even if he becomes available, I don't see it happening. And I think the guy, Jeff, that is my my gut feeling says that they're waiting for is Alvin Gentry. And Gentry to me would be a good hire, but he's older. So, my biggest question with him would be would he keep Melvin Hunt on staff as an heir apparent when he leaves? Which is what I thought. And I even asked George Carl about this when Carl coached the Nuggets. I said, What would be, you know, would it be kind of a a good scenario if you retired with Denver and then Melvin took over Mm -hmm. when we were talking about Melvin one time? And he indicated, Yeah, that would be, you know, kind of the dream scenario. But, I mean, George is obviously nowhere near wanting to retire from basketball just signing a four-year deal. So, you know, are you interested in Gentry? And do you think, do you have any interest, if Melvin Hunt doesn't get the job, do you want to see him on the coaching staff? And do you think he should stick around if he's passed over for a second
1: time? Um, I'll tackle this first with with, um, Melvin. I don't think he should, after being passed over twice, should stay with the Nuggets. I think he should move on. i think i there's just no benefit to him staying at that point i really don't think he needs to just find a place where he can be a head coach um and he did get a interim head coaching possibility here and he was able to display what he's able to do small sample size but he was able to put it out there as a resume to be honest with you i think that's the best thing he should do um because it's in his best interest, not necessarily Nugget's best interest, but that's his best interest. I think um, he's
0: going to probably have to go be an assistant somewhere else. You know, Chicago's obviously probably has, you know, Fred Hoiberg or whoever else on their mind. Orlando maybe goes after Thibodeau or who knows. I don't know if Melvin will get a chance this offseason, so he may have to join somebody's staff, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, He's got a lot of ties in the NBA. He can probably pick where he wants to go. But you know, Sacramento, well, I think George Carroll maybe. Did he just hire Chad Isky? He just hired Chad Isky. So, he, he, I'm sure he would take Melvin back in a heartbeat,
1: obviously. There's a lot of admiration <coughs> between the two. Yes, there is. And Gentry, on the other hand, okay, he's brilliant offensive coach, I think. He had a big hand in Mike D'Antoni's. Uh, success.
0: And did a very good job as the head coach in Phoenix yeah. with some spare parts left over from the D'Antoni era. Yes.
1: I mean, he, he turned mm-hmm. a team that had Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Steve Nash, and a couple others. I don't even think Sean Marion was on that team anymore. I
0: think Amari was still there. Amari <laughs> was
1: still there. And he turned them into a highly, I mean, this is after Terry, and this is a good analogy. Terry Porter was their coach then. And then Steve Kerr had hired Terry Porter to coach and slow the pace down, kind of like what Josh Kroenke did with the Nuggets. Interesting. And it was a complete disaster. I it was remember a that. complete disaster. And then Gentry would came in and he said, We're going back to the way it was and they were scoring 140 points. They scored 140 points for like three games straight. This is how happy they were to get out of that. So that's what, you know, Gentry did. and He turned these, these that team into a high high-paced team. And then the next year, they went to I believe the Western Conference or was it? Yeah, semi- they went to the Western Conference finals, finals I against the Lakers and took them to seven games, I believe. Sure. 2010, right? Okay. Let me look this up. <laughs> it could be true. Let me look this up. I like uh, Gentry.
0: I do have some concerns um well, I don't know I don't, I don't know if I have any concerns about Gentry as a head coach. I mean you, you hear a lot of great things about him. He is an older guy, so it would be I think it's it, I think it's imperative that the nuggets get good assistance around whoever they hire uh, especially after going through you know looking at Brian Shaw's staff just with Lester Connor you know I, I don't think he was a good assistant coach. Um, it would be nice to see whoever they bring in bring in some quality guys around him.
1: Here's, here's an interesting streak that the Phoenix Suns went on from Mike D'Antoni all the way to Alvin Gentry. 2005 Western Conference Finals. 2006 Western Conference Finals. Um, 2007 Western Conference Semifinals. Um, lost first round in, in D'Antoni's last year. Um, Porter's first year, they didn't make the playoffs.
0: What did the went to? 2010,
1: two? they went to the Western Conference Finals. They went to th- three Western Conference Finals in five years. They
0: went to the Western Conference Finals in Gentry's first year? Uh, yeah, one and a half. Oh, yeah, because he took over for Porter. Mm-hmm. Came back with a full season. I mean, What did they do? In Gen- How long was Gentry the head coach there?
1: Uh, Gentry was coached from... Midway through the oh eight oh nine season to 2012.
0: So what they do after the Western Conference finals run?
1: No playoffs, no playoffs, no playoffs, no playoffs, no
0: playoffs. But they obviously, you know, after Steve Nash was kind of on his way out of Phoenix, that team basically fell apart, which again begs the question of, you know, if you bring in Alvin Gentry, do you have to have a dominant point guard, you know, a la Steve Nash? Do you have to have, you know, do you keep Ty Lawson if you bring in Alvin Gentry? If you bring in an older established coach like Gentry who has reached ultimate success, or not ultimate, I mean he just went to the Western Conference Finals, would he be willing to come to Denver? I mean, would you be willing to leave Golden State where you might win, you know, you have the possibility to win two or three or four NBA championships or at least compete for them. I think
1: he's a candidate because he's probably expressed that he wants to coach, right?
0: I don't know. That's I why
1: you know you don't get on the candidate list if you say no. I'm not going anywhere. So, obviously, the interest is out there. What I would say is, I think I think that he deserves a shot. See, his first full season uh, in Phoenix, 2009 2010, they were 54 and 28. That's uh, not a bad record, and I believe they were the second seed in the in the West.
0: That was Denver's franchise win best before the fifty seven win yes. season beat it, right? And I believe in two thousand nine,
1: two thousand ten, the Nuggets won fifty three games. Um, so it was a competitive it was a competitive season. Um, Shaq was gone by that point.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't I
1: don't think they go wrong with Gentry. I really don't. I mean, I I like him. Uh, he's not my favorite. I would want Melvin Hunt to be the coach, personally.
0: I'm still with Melvin, too, man. I mean, I just... I don't know. I, when you look at things, you want a guy that can motivate. Check the box yep. for Melvin. Yep. Y- you want a guy that understands the modern NBA game. Check that box. Melvin's got that. You want a guy that you know wants to play defense, wants to get out and run based off of that defense. Boom, that's what Melvin said he wants to do. I mean, there's, there's been nothing to indicate he would be, you know, philosoph- or philosophically a bad coach for the Nuggets. Everything that he does well is what the Nuggets seem to want to do. So I just don't, you know, maybe if you feel like you get gentry, maybe you feel like you're making a splash because, hey, look, we just got an assistant coach off, one of the, off perhaps the best team in the NBA. But, hey, isn't that what Brian Shaw was? I mean, the Indiana Pacers were the next big thing. Yep until Paul George broke his leg. I mean, they were the next big thing, and all of a sudden, you know, you hire this assistant. He's not as good as he was, but the one thing that Gentry has over Shaw, obviously, is he's done it before.
1: He's done it before, and Gentry is... And he's won in the playoffs, which is huge. (laughs) That is a remarkable, remarkable run of success, and he was on, I believe he was on D'Antoni's staff. You know, 405, that was D'Antoni's... he had uh, taken over midway through the 03-04 season. So uh, the four oh four oh five to 2010, you are looking at a three Western Conference Finals appearances. That is insane. The Nuggets have never done that, ever. <laughs> yeah. And they were playing at an insane pace. Now, of course, it dropped off when Steve Nash became old. You know he was still okay, but he just became old. So obviously, give him the players; it could work. I think Gentry would be fine, but to be honest with you, I would rather stick with what I know,
0: and I know Melvin Hunt. And that and that kind of leads into, you know, what we want to talk about with the with the Nuggets roster. You know, first things first. You're going to have the lottery on May 19th. You know, you have, you know, stories that we wrote a couple weeks ago about, you know, Ty Lawson's time, perhaps coming to an end in Denver. Uh, Chris Dempsey echoed it this week with his piece talking about Ty's time, you know, dwindling down, perhaps dwindling down. The big question for me is if you bring in a guy like Gentry, it's like win now. He's a win now coach. So then if you bring in Gentry, you keep Ty, and you try to push forward, right? I mean, yeah. Why not just keep Melvin, trade Ty for another pick in this draft, draft a guy like either, you know, D'Angelo Russell or Emmanuel Moutier to be your point guard of the future, and, you know, let him grow with Melvin. Let that team grow together. I don't know if Gentry's going to be around for. Can you assign him to a six year, you know, four year deal and then re up it again when he it's is over?
1: 61. Yeah. Um,. I suppose that depends, you know. He looks
0: like he's 45, so. Yeah,
1: so I mean, he looks younger. I mean, maybe he can coach um,
0: until he's, you know, 70, but.
1: Well, let's look at, okay, before we get to, we're really thinking about Melvin, there is, uh, what other candidate on the list leaps out of you?
0: I mean, I guess, I guess D'Antoni is intriguing just from the fact that he was, you know, innovative offensively at some point in time, but. Again, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that the game's caught up to him in a sense. He hasn't been around the game. He hasn't been successful in the NBA for a while. He's not that intriguing to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And other than that, other than, to me, it's in between Melvin and Gentry. And you hire one of those guys and you call it a day. Scott well, Brooks, I think, no.
1: I think that, uh, let's look at the head coaching candidates that we listed.
0: They've listed. They've listed Mike Malone. Mike
1: Malone, who? Well, no, they didn't. Did they miss list Mike
0: Malone? Yeah, he's still being listed. Eh, talked about. So.
1: Mike Malone. I just. You, he's a great assistant.
0: Scott Skiles probably has a great agent that threw his name in the mix. He's, yeah. Is in, yeah, no. the worst fit possible for Denver. Um, Scott yeah. Brooks not a fit in my opinion for but the Nuggets.
1: Scott Brooks, I don't think would take the job.
0: And I mean, Scott Brooks might be a he might be a pretty good coach. You know, he might be a, a great developmental guy. Don't think he's a very good in-game coach. He's a terrible tactician. Yeah, his
1: adjustments are awful. Yeah, he struggles. He struggles big time with in-game adjustments. But uh, from what I understand, he's a great developmental coach, so if you
0: want a young team going forward, I can see that. I mean, what if you hire Gentry and you bring Scott Brooks in as one of your lead assistants? Yeah. I don't know if he's willing to take that step back. He probably doesn't even have to, obviously, because right. he had so much success with the Thunder. But I believe
1: that Scott Brooks is still being paid for this season, this next season, I're one I- on his contract. So I don't think he's in a rush to get take a job.
0: No, nah, he could he can go work for TNT, ESPN, yeah. you know, do whatever he wants, and then get back into coaching when more jobs open up. But
1: because I believe if he gets another NBA job, they, he forfeits that last year on his contract. So right. I think he has no real incentive to hurry. Um, there's that guy from Portland, Vanterpool.
0: No, don't know a thing I about it. don't
1: him. know a thing about him. Uh, there's probably a reason his name was thrown in there. Um, I'm not entirely thrilled with the way that Portland runs their team. I, I'm not entirely sure that that would be the way to go. I think really you're talking about a race between Elvin Gentry, uh, Melvin Hunt, and um, Mike D'Antoni. I mean, really think that's what it is, and it really the, the the direction you go. I I don't think the Nuggets are entirely interested in being a terrible team next year, but at the same time, I don't think that they care if that's what happens.
0: But even like like Conley has said before, you know, uh, I believe after the Mozgov trade, he mentioned, you know, at some point in time, you got to be, you know, you got to look in the mirror and realize who you are, and this offseason to me is where the nuggets have to take a look in the mirror and say hey look <laughs> you know yeah with you know even with a a healthy team with Melvin Hunt we won a game in overtime against the pelicans we blew out the hawks one time but honestly i mean if you're going to overtime against the pelicans that's an 8 seed in the western conference you know at their best right now so i mean you got to you got to be realistic and say hey you know we need to Reassess where we're at and rebuild this thing the right way well this is the wrench the
1: monkey wrench that people aren't going to talk about, but I bring it up now. Everything in the league is going to change when that TV money comes in. the caps going to explode the playing field will tilt back towards the big markets again. free agents will be want they'll be looking at. Places where they can get a shit ton of money.
0: Maybe where they can team up because you can really maybe can put up. together with the new catman, man, you might might be able to put together four-star players. Forget a big three. You might be able to go big four, which to me is almost what Golden State has. You know, And that's that may be the next big wave. And for as much as I've been thinking about it, the best way to have the Nuggets – Get a big three, a big four, whatever the hell you want to call it. The best way to find a star player that they can lean on when they get back into the playoffs is through the draft. You know, yeah, pick pick your shots in the draft. Go for it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, but to be honest with you, you look at this draft, and this maybe segs with us from coaching to draft.
0: Yeah, it's not like you're going to go in there and get two. You know, if the Nuggets are fortunate enough to get two top seven picks they're not going to be able to you know, draft LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and be right back in business. Do you see a single transcendent player in this draft so far? I'm no talent expert, but I'd have to say no. <laughs> you know, there's no guy that you you can definitely draft and plug in to score 20 points a night. And this is the thing. Yeah, with if, if the Nuggets go draft, that's fine.
1: The, the The gamble of investing completely in a draft is that you're always waiting for the next thing. So... You're pushing the, you're kicking the, it's like doing, not necessarily as extreme as the Philadelphia 76ers, but it's constantly, look to the future, look to the future. Oh, we're too good this year, we need to sell off some people. Look to the future, look to the future. You're gambling, 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 gambling for that one person who is going to be that transcendent piece that you may not get because of the lottery. Are the Nuggets in a position now to where they will go back to the... I call it the... Tra- <laughs> there's the treadmill of mediocrity and there's the treadmill of bad. Because both exist. Which treadmill are the Nuggets going to be on? Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, I because that's where the only choices are right now. Yeah. So are they going to be mediocre or are they going to be bad?
0: And to I mean, me, and I would just... I, I just think... You know, so I I penned that piece, you know, chase LaMarcus Aldridge or rebuild with D'Angelo Russell. And the point of it wasn't you got to go all in for LaMarcus Aldridge. The point of it is those are the two avenues. You either try to pick up the pieces with what you have now and you try to get a guy like LaMarcus, like whomever you've, you know. If you're going to go the free agency route, there's only a, a couple of choices to make, but... I think if you go the other route, if you go into the draft and you trade, obviously you, you do whatever happens. May 19th is going to decide if the Nuggets need to trade up in the draft or if they need to just – if you get a top three pick, if Denver gets a top three pick in this draft, they can take whatever player they want. They can do whatever they want. They have their choice of basically everybody because I think it's going to be Okafor and Towns going one, two. Yeah. Um, a guy I think Denver likes is D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I just have a feeling that he's a guy that's on their radar. Maybe you can get that guy. Yeah. And then, you know, if you get a top three pick, then you can look at, hey, what's up, Sacramento, and you're, you know, six or seven pick. How do you feel about Ty Lawson? Give us that pick. And then you take a chance on a guy like Justice Winslow, Mario, uh, how do you say his last name? Hazonia. Mario Hazonia. Dave Franco. Uh, Stanley Johnson, Kelly Oubre, Willie Cauley-Stein, I don't know, whoever it is. You know, you get the guys you want, but I, I'm very intrigued. I think I'm very intrigued by the fact that they might be able to get two top ten picks.
1: That's a potential, but you could be getting two good role players. Yeah. And this is this is the... But at some
0: point, you got to roll the damn dice. Yeah,
1: that's fine, but that's the problem, is that the team already said... They were losing too much money under Shaw. So, how much more are they willing to invest in that track? I don't know. I'm not. I'm playing. I'm playing devil's advocate here because I honestly I don't know. I'm
0: on the fence. I also have no interest in and in Conley, and I believe Josh has also indicated that they have no interest in being the eighth seed in a, in a playoff scenario. Yes. So I mean, <clears throat> you can't. You can't try to push forward with what you have and and turn, you know, this team of role players into something that it's not.
1: Well, obviously, the roster as it's currently constructed is not going to be something that is going to get you a lot of traction. Um, Obviously, there's going to be a change. But my... Problem is, say, okay, you'd make that trade and get two picks. You have to get rid of Gallo then. Why? Mm, you'll be too. I don't think that. That's a rebuild trade. I don't think you'll be bad enough with Gallo on the team.
0: Give in order to,
1: in order to get what you want, because that if there's something that signals a rebuild, it's trading Ty Lawson. Right?
0: Maybe. I mean, I kind of think at the same time, let's say for the Jeff Morton, Nate Timmons' dream scenario that the Nuggets come away with D'Angelo Russell and Mario Hazonia in this draft. Let's say D'Angelo Russell finds pretty damn good success early on, and you go into next season, eh, maybe you finish 9th, 10th, 11th, 8th in the Western Conference, last in the Western – I don't know what they'll finish – You get another lottery pick in another draft that we don't truly know anything about yet, and you also have the opportunity to swap picks with the New York Knicks, and maybe then, maybe next year is the year that you have the transitional or transformational player in the draft, and boom, you're right back into it two years from now.
1: Yeah, but that's another maybe.
0: Hey, I like it. It's better to me than selling off. I think if you sell off Ty Lawson now and pick up – A rookie, You know, if you get a draft pick for him, you have to kind of maybe play it kind of slow. I don't think you tear it all the way down like Philadelphia. I still think you can make small adjustments to this roster. Gallo's only 26. He's
1: only 26. But at the same time, listen, once again, I'm playing Devils. It's the treadmill of bad because you you don't know if next year that player is going to be there. It's a guess. Right. So you're going all in. See, like, what's happened with Philly is that they've had one draft that wasn't the right player, another draft where it wasn't the right player, one draft where they deliberately took players that weren't going to play, you know. Another draft, another bad... I mean, this is we're going on four years with them now. <laughs> yeah. And you can only do that for so long before your owner probably says, get your shit together and get us a competitive team. And then you're like, okay... What do I do? It's the it's like the, I, I'm I'm leery of the treadmill of bad because the '90s Nuggets were the the late '90s Nuggets were the treadmill of bad, and they kept then. And, and I remember, I'll never forget it. Someone back then, and I it was, it was coined by someone else. So I, I'm not giving the right person credit credit, but there was a individual who said, "A year away from being a year away." And the Nuggets kept saying, well, just bank on the young guys. Bank on the young guys. And the young guys never panned out. Right. And then they got a, got good enough to be mediocre, and then they have to break it down again. Now, what Kiki Vandaway did was he got Carmelo, which was kind of a surefire thing. Everyone knew Carmelo would be a good player. Yeah. Coming out. So he built around. He got Andre Miller and you know, brought in John Barry and stuff like that. And they built up a 43-win team, right? You take that approach, or do you do what the 60s are doing and being bad, 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 bad for years, hoping for that guy? Because, you you know, once you invest in that track, you have to commit to it, you know?
0: I think you of do that. I would like to see them do the two-year dip where you have the lottery picks this year. You play it out next season. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, you you protect yourself a little bit with the right to swap picks with the Knicks. Maybe you're bad enough to where you don't even take advantage of that opportunity because maybe the Knicks sign a couple guys. But then, I mean, you know, there's also still two off seasons of free agency. There's going to be free agency now. There's going to be free agency again that next season. If you put in, you know, I mean, obviously Yusuf Nurkic looks like he's going to be a pretty decent NBA player. Yes. You know, I don't know. Maybe he falls off a cliff next season and isn't the same kind of doesn't show the same promise he did this year. But, you know, you have, you have some pieces already in place. If they're able to bring Will Barton back, he fills a certain need. Uh, you, have, you have Gary Harris, he might fill a certain need. You have Wilson Chandler, you have Gallo, you have Fareed. I mean, you have a lot of pretty good pieces. To me, I still feel like the Nuggets are only, <laughs> some part of me still feels like they're only two or three pieces away from being a very good team. And that's probably two or three starters, which means you're probably going to have to maneuver around. But I just I think there's a lot of hope in the fact of a lottery pick this year, the potential to maybe get another one with uh, with some trade assets that you currently have, and the potential of an offseason of free agency, another draft, another offseason of free agency. I don't think that the Nuggets are really that far away. I don't think they're going to be back down near a Sixers level or, or go back to the, the late 90s Nuggets if it's done right, and if they take advantage of the opportunities that are presenting themselves this offseason.
1: Or you could be the Sacramento
0: Kings. Or you're the Kings where you just keep missing on draft picks. But the Kings also Some have of never... the
1: Kings have the bad luck.
0: Yeah, but the Kings have also you know. never had, uh, you know, players, role players that the Nuggets have right now. The Nuggets right now, I, I believe, have role players that are probably could get the team close to 500 or so. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I I just I don't think the Nuggets are in that bad of a position right now. Water.
1: <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting scenario. I, I, I said on the comments I mean, look section. At, look at
0: the Warriors. Maybe the Warriors are the closest model that the Nuggets could follow. I mean, you, not from the fact that they're going to play like them, not that they can find the same players, well, but the Warriors kind of had a, a roster that was going nowhere with Monte Ellis. They trade for David Lee. That doesn't really do anything for them. They have the number seven pick. They have a number 11 pick that, obviously, they got incredibly lucky on. Harrison Barnes you know, has been he's kind okay. of a miss. He's he, been kind of a miss. He's, a, he's
1: an okay player. He's not. He's, yeah. nah, he's,
0: so they have three draft picks. They hit on two of them. Maybe that's some other ones in there, but they also had that weird mix of veterans that were fairly successful, which the Nuggets have right now. I, I think you know maybe the Warriors could be, you know, kind of a an example of well, okay. how you can rebuild on the fly what, what, a little bit.
1: What pick was Steph Curry? Seventh. What was Clay Thompson? Eleven? Eleven. Okay. Clay Thompson gets drafted by another team. Is he the same player?
0: Yeah, that's, the, that's like the – I was talking with somebody on Twitter about that same thing. Just the, you know, how much an environment around the franchise can affect the development of a player.
1: How much does Klay Thompson being next to Steph Curry make Klay Thompson able to do what he's doing? And that's that's the thing. So you got that, say, we're able to find a guy at number seven. with the, With the NBA draft, you just don't know. I would like the Nuggets to take Mario Hazonia because I think he's got that it thing. I, I, you know, I, 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 um, Chris Dempsey said the same thing today. You just look at him and you say, there's just something there that you recognize.
0: He that jumps ha- off the page at you for yeah. sure.
1: And, and to be honest with you, even the guys above him projected don't have that. I don't see that it thing. With them, I don't see the especially. Uh, Let's uh, uh, look at Towns. I look at him and I think, oh, okay,
0: he was uh, you know dominated physically, and that's what always worries me about big guys. Like drafting big guys is you never know if they're, you know, you don't know how they're gonna you know transition to the NBA. But also, watching what the Nuggets did, like when they took Danny Fortson, he's like one of <sighs> he's probably my biggest. Example of this is, you know, wow, this guy was amazing at Cincinnati, you know. Physical player, awesome, like he's going to be great. And then he comes to Denver and you're like, this guy is tiny height-wise. He's yeah. a wide load and he's awful. Yep. Like how is he so good at Cincinnati? You know, and that's kind of what I fear with, with both Okafor. I think Okafor might be the next Al Jefferson. For better or worse, you know, very skilled offensive player. Terrible player. Not that good at anything else. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off. And Towns the same thing. I'm like, what if Towns is like, I don't know. Next Willie Wiley Stein
1: reminds me of Jabail McGee a little, but and then you've got Mudier and Russell and Winslow. Winslow
0: Mudier scares me because he went to China. Yeah. There's something scary about that. Like, yeah, I'm not going to play college ball. I'm going to go to China and make some money. Uh, what? Why?
1: And then, you know, Russell is an enigma. You know, he's got some good flashy passing skills. But,
0: but that's one of his things he's touted on is his swagger, his confidence, yeah. which is a good thing. He yeah. looks silky, silky smooth. And there's something about left-handed players that have a tendency to look that way to me. But, yeah, you don't know. You maybe no maybe the left
1: hand is the silk hand. This is a, this is this is my silk hat. <laughs> um, then then you got Winslow, who people are comparing to Kawhi Leonard. And I'll I'll say this about Kawhi Leonard: Kawhi Leonard played on a team in San Diego with Steve Fisher as the coach. Steve Kip Fisher is a tremendous coach, right? But he Steve Fisher coaches with an eye towards the pros. That that maybe um, uh, others don't, and I'm talking about with the way he does offense, defense, and all that stuff. I don't know necessarily if that is a one for one corollary with with uh, someone like Winslow. What know? if
0: so I was texting with? Texting with a buddy that said, "Well, yeah. What if Winslow is the next Derrick Williams?" And it's like, you know, I I don't know. What if he is? What if he had a nice tournament and that's it? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? And that's
1: the thing with these this play this this draft. I have heard many people describe this as a solid draft, and that's you know I look at it and I think, yeah, it's a solid draft. Last year you got Wiggins. But you know, in in reality, you know, you had Parker who's injured. But who else
0: really stood out this last year? You know, yeah, it's like a got to get guy. Yeah, and that's kind of what this one is too. This, you know, maybe this is a role player draft. You know, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. We'll but know Hazonia a impresses
1: me the most. Hazonia, for some reason, when I look at him, I think this is a guy that wants to dominate, and. You can get stuck in a, oh, that guy's got some good skills. But you th- what people freaking miss, and this is why I'm, I get so frustrated with college ball, they miss the intangibles. They miss the the will. They miss all that other stuff that is key. You know, when you project something like um, the first time I saw Anthony Davis play in Kentucky, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's got the thing. He's got the, that thing that you want to grab, you know. That's kind of where will,
0: and that's to me where analytics can kind of miss the ball. In some senses, is I mean, you can. I love analytics. I love stats. I love being able to look at trends and look at different areas. But there's still, it still always comes back to the simple fact of, you know, when you play a pickup game somewhere, when you watch a game on TV, you can figure out who the best players are in a pretty short period of time. And you can figure out which guys you're like, oh, shit. And, you know, Mario's a guy that has a little bit of that for sure. You know, and, you know, how much of it does he have? I don't know. To me, he might be the riskiest pick in the lottery because, like Skidichvili, uh, he didn't play a ton of minutes for his club. He played way less than Mario, I think. And... You well, know, that's, that's the scary part is he's ski- the biggest unknown probably in the lottery mm-hmm. outside of Crispus Porzingis, whoever he is. The yeah, Crispus Porzingis. But we're also forgetting the Nuggets have Nikola Jokic who could come yeah. over and fill a, a huge role for this team, which is another reason why they shouldn't be afraid to rebuild a little bit. Well,
1: they got Jokic coming over, but I, I gotta, well, I'll got. Well, i tell you this. The difference between Skeeta and Hazonia is that Skeeta, no one saw Skeeta. Right. And Skeeta was kind of just like... Uh, I remember, I'll never forget the draft. It was the fifth pick in the NBA draft. Nuggets choose Nico, Nico Nichols Skizvili. And I'm like,
0: oh my god. I was so pissed. I wanted Crum Butler so bad in that draft.
1: But they also got <laughs> Nene in that draft. And a trade
0: from the Knicks. Which is where you hedge your bets a little bit with two picks. So if you get those two picks, maybe you hit on one, not the other. But if you hit on both, wow, now you're really talking. And if you have Nurkic playing well, if you have Joffrey, if he's able to raise his game, if Harris is able to come back different, if Jokic comes over and proves he's an NBA player, I mean, then you start looking at, okay, now we need to add some veterans around these guys to teach these kids something. And to me, that's why you keep Danilo Gallinari. Danilo Gallinari. Is that Danilo. That's why you keep Gallo. That's why you keep Chandler. That's why you maybe keep Randy Foy this next season, too. But you got to get rid of J.J. Hicks.
1: God yes, please. And
0: I don't, I don't, I don't think Darrell Arthur's coming back either, at all. No, Arthur's he's gone. Got, I he's think, got yeah. no room. I think if the Nuggets didn't have any, you know, if they didn't have JJ, if they didn't have Joffrey, I think they tried to re-sign him.
1: But yeah, yeah. Darrell's Dur- gone. I, I like Darrell. Darrell was a great, out locker room guy. Um, but phenomenal teammate. Uh, a phenomenal teammate, but it just
0: he's just just there's he you know if a they got if team.
1: they got rid of. If they got rid of J.J. and kept Darrell Arthur, I think that would be a better proposition for the Nuggets.
0: i just like to see them let them both go. But just Darrell, give those minutes to Fareed and Jokic and yeah, yeah. You know, and Farid, it's like,
1: is that score right? Or is, is the, are the Grizzlies leading? Oh, my God. <laughs> 20, maybe to, they, maybe 20 they, to
0: 13 they, Memphis. Matt Moore is having <laughs> well, a heart attack.
1: Well, uh, I believe uh, Mike Conley played today, which is weird. But anyway, um, It is what it is at this point. And the problem with the Nuggets is no one knows which direction they can go. Zero. Literally, the Nuggets have I – mean, and actually, to be honest with you, until uh, two
0: weeks from now, no one will know. Yeah, and it's also – I mean, obviously, this is a pretty stupid thing I'm about to say, but if the Nuggets get a top three pick in the draft, it's going to be much easier for them to trade for a pick from picks four through ten than it's going to be if they wind up with the 7th pick or the 8th pick and have to try to trade up to get one of their primary targets in this draft. Trading up is always hard. I mean, if the Nuggets are unable, let's say the Nuggets just have the 7th pick and they're unable to trade up into this draft to get a guy that they want, it scares me that they would then maybe consider drafting Mario because it's like, oh, you're just getting that one guy, like what direction is that gonna put us in? Where is he gonna play? Like I, I would feel more comfortable if they drafted Mario if they get a second pick and if they try to rebuild a little bit. I would feel a lot more comfortable that way. Yeah, but you gotta deal with the
1: cards you don't. I mean, if you if they end up if you end up at seven, you end up at seven. I it's and it's you draft be... Willie
0: he callie stun. <laughs>
1: Uh, Willie Cauley Stein, who changed his middle name to Trill, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Trill Cauley Stein. Trill. His name is. His name is Willie Trill Cauley Stein.
0: As soon as he did that, he was removed off my draft radar.
1: Yeah, and I got <laughs> some, some guy hammered me in the comment section as to the stiffs when I said that. Like, hang your heads in shame, Willie Cauley Stein supporters. Hang your heads in shame. <laughs> yeah, you
0: can't be changing your
1: name. You don't. Man. You don't do that based on middle names. Shut up! I was being funny.
0: God, he's out. He's off my draft board completely. And <laughs> does that's why Mudiay to me is risky too. There's just that something about that China thing. The mentality of wanting to do that, you know, maybe he's a guy that wanted to go experience a new culture and see the world and play basketball that way, or maybe he just couldn't make the grades and figured he may as well make a little coin. And I don't know, something about that. You never
1: me. know. I mean, Brandon Jennings did it. Um, uh, who else? Uh, it. Childress did it. Josh Childress did it.
0: Yep, Josh Shoulders never to be heard from again. Yep, Brandon Jennings, his career never turned into what it could have been. Maybe it where still is was, he now? Is he in Detroit? We'll yeah, yeah, he tore his Achilles, I believe, this season. That's right, he did. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. So, anyway, I don't know. I don't know about where the Nuggets are heading. We'll know more.
1: Well, that's the problem. It's just like we can speculate all we want about this, but
0: then you just there's talk to yourself in circles. Yeah, yeah
1: there's you're, too many variables. We don't
0: know. I mean, it's just so many things are just hanging out there and it seems like too that more and more people that are nuggets fans want to see the team just go in a completely different direction and just try something completely new because it just feels like now that they're just hanging on to what they once were and it's never going to be that way again you know so it's like go ahead and you know make some different moves and i would be if they trade ty lawson i have pretty mixed feelings about it because I think, I think Ty is an underrated basketball IQ guy. I think he's an underrated, you know, he's underrated to talk hoops with, and he's a, a guy that was very productive on the court, and maybe his two last two seasons here were because he was running a shit offense by a shit coach. And maybe yeah. he's going to go somewhere else if they trade him to... You know, who knows where. He, maybe he makes the all-star game and leads that team to the playoffs or helps lead that team to the playoffs. I mean, yeah, obviously know he's not a leader. But.
1: but he, that's the problem is that, and that's on the Nuggets, and if the Nuggets decide to keep Ty, I want them to release Ty Lawson from the burden of trying to be a leader. I would like that to be no longer a Ty responsibility. I would like you to acknowledge that Danilo Gallinari is the leader of the team if you keep him there. Say if you keep uh, Jameer Nelson or someone like that, maybe that's the case too. If you do that, you need to have Ty not be the leader of the team. You cannot tell him that. You need to say, "All right, Ty, this we is the way you want to be. We want you to we go do nuts, something else,
0: run this team, run just, the offense, just run the offense." Blah blah blah. Uh, I don't know if you saw. Did you watch Wilson Chandler's exit interview? Oh uh, yes, I did. So he called Danilo Gallinari his brother. Said yes. they've been together for seven years. Gallo. the, the bond Gallo. is tight. And Gallo tried his
1: best at the end of the year.
0: I would I would trade point. Gallo my, if, let's say, Cleveland calls and they're like, "We're going to give you a Kyrie Irving in our first round pick." I'd be like, "I'm hanging up the phone." <laughs> 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 Liar. <laughs> 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 but, but I mean, uh, it would it would take a a huge. I mean, hearing Chris Dempsey, um, the fan today, say that the Nuggets, you know could potentially trade gallo i hope that's all it is is just lip service because i don't want to see that guy go anywhere i think he's the exact kind of guy that you have to have if you're going to try to rebuild on the fly which is what i want to see the nuggets do
1: yeah and you know gallo has tried his best at the end of the year against a tide of benchings benchings a coach that outwardly hated him
0: I don't know. If he hated him. Didn't appreciate him. Didn't. Uh, I
1: mean, there wasn't. He did not like Daniel Gallo. And multiple people I talked to, it was like there was a contempt in general for maybe just in the European players. And it's hard in in that situation to overcome someone who doesn't respect you, right? Well, you have two years of that crap, and then he gets Melvin Hunt, and he goes out and he says, "I want Melvin Hunt." Gallo was more forceful in his in his vocalization about Melvin Hunt than any other
0: player. And I also feel that the Nuggets should not feel the need to cater in any shape or form to what the players on this roster want or what the fans want at all. And that, I think that would be kind of an interesting thing to, to discuss at a, at a future Well, if date. they
1: did that, they would be still running the Pacers offense.
0: Right. And, you know, it's just, you know, having, having Gallinari and Kenneth Fareed, uh, you know endorse Melvin Hunt without really being asked to endorse melvin hunt it 's great it 's good to see, but at the same time it 's like hey guys we 've got to do what's best for this franchise and you know I, I still do think that Melvin uh, would be a fantastic hire for the nuggets, you know whether it leads to sixty win seasons or not i don 't know because I think that 's based on the talent that your front office is able to bring in, but I do think Melvin Hunt could take a talented roster and turn it into a winning team
1: I think so too. And I think people—you
0: can't can't in the NBA. We all know it. You can't turn chicken shit into chicken salad. You're not going to hire Melvin Hunt, keep this exact same roster, and be a four seed in the Western Conference next season. It ain't going to happen. Well,
1: did you? I don't get any real view that the Nuggets intend to do that. But I don't, also don't get the few that they want to go through several years of rebuilding either. So,
0: And I think that the tempered, you know, hearing, hearing Dempsey saying that, you know, the Nuggets, you know, they're more open than ever to trading Ty Lawson is the Nuggets probably saying, hey, if we go out there and say that we're definitely trading Ty, we're going to get some shit offers. Like, we got to, you know, they're not going to just put them on the, you know, trade block. Yeah. I mean, they have to protect themselves a little bit, but I don't. I don't think Ty Lawson returns to the team next season. I
1: think it's gone too far down the road.
0: The only reason he returns is if they can't find a trade partner, which I do think they'll be able to find. Oh no, no! There's people who out there. I mean,
1: I mean, obviously the Celtics would want it, but the Celtics they would a, have to get really for the Nuggets to do that. They would have to give up. I don't want Isaiah Thomas.
0: But. And that would be a trade, you know. If you trade with the Celtics, that would be a trade that is going to set you back because you're not going to be able to get the lottery pick this year. You get It's going to be future picks. They have some young assets, but they're not going to trade. You know, they're not going to throw uh, – what's his name? Their shooting guard. Marcus Smart, not going to throw him into that deal, you know. So, to me, it's – why would you want to trade with the Celtics? That's going to set you back more yeah. than it's going to propel you forward. Well, they, the Celtics we do have a whole end, well, bunch we, of picks, though. Yeah, but not... I mean, they don't have a lottery pick this year, I don't no. think, do they? No. Do they own one from somebody else? They might. I might have just... I don't think they do. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to put you back, and to me... If you can go with a quick rebuild, I think that's something that Stan Kroenke, the owner of the team, would be somewhat okay with. I don't think that he would allow them to do a 76ers-type rebuild. They've missed the playoffs for two straight years. If you go through a two-year
1: rebuilding, that's four straight years of missed playoffs.
0: And they weren't ever really, you know, in the playoffs for that long either. So that's <laughs> true. <laughs> What's uh, All right, man. That's true. Nuggets Broncos. uh, We can talk a little Broncos for a second. Uh, They had a draft. They drafted a bunch of players. Yeah, they got this guy named Shane Ray. Shane Ray, who uh, may or may not be a good player. (laughs) You never
1: know in the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Especially who was the guy they
1: drafted last year? What was or the year before last in the first round? uh, That fat guy, um, Sylvester Williams. Sylvester Williams. He's basically been a big ass bust.
0: I think he's might going to start this year. He, might. <laughs> well, he, he played pretty got. well last year. He started playing, well, I don't know if he played well, but he played more last year. And now they're expecting him to fill in the void left by Terrence Knight, and I believe he's one of the... That's a big void. A couple of guys, yeah, <laughs> supposed to be there. <laughs> it's a big void. Um, I did like seeing the Broncos get that Ty Sombrilio from Colorado State. That was like the uh, the local high draft pick. I mean, that's not like a seventh-round pick where he's not going to make the team. That's a second-round pick where... I think I was reading today that they're expecting him to battle for a starting position this year on the offensive line, which is, you know, a lot of expectations.
1: It's frightening when you think about it,
0: though. By the way, what the hell are the Broncos doing? What do you mean? You're bringing Peyton Manning back. You have not loaded up at all for a Super Bowl run. Like, they don't have any expectations of making the Super Bowl this year
1: at all. You know, this is the thing. I, I, I honestly believe that John Elway gets out in front of the camera, says, we're gunning for a championship every year. Fans lap that shit up, but their actions have said that they're not. They have no <laughs> intention or at least don't really have a realistic goal of going to the Super Bowl this year.
0: Unless they just get lucky as hell. Because Peyton is not going to do well
1: in this offense.
0: I think he'll be fine. It's Peyton. He'll be okay.
1: I don't know. It's just, like, from what I heard, I, says, uh, uh, I talked to a guy who was out there at the, one of the mini camps. Peyton was doing rollouts.
0: Like uh, bootlegs, <laughs> I'm like oh. perfect. <laughs> so after Peyton gets hurt in week three, <laughs> we're gonna we have the Brock uh, Osweiler era, or we can nuggets. have no, we're gonna have a uh, Trevor Simeon at a Northwestern. Oh the yeah, seventh round pick is gonna come in there and do big things. Trevor Simeon, what is it? What's his name? Trevor Simeon, Sim, two hundred fiftieth pick in the draft, and the Broncos traded uh, well Manny Ramirez to get Shane Ray. He was one of the players traded away. It's so funny in the NFL how you go from being like an important starter to just cut or traded like in the same season or the following season. Can you imagine if like the heat just cut LeBron last year? I'm looking at this Trevor Trevor Simeon fool. I just compared Manny Ramirez to LeBron
1: James. You did. <laughs> You did. I was going to. <laughs> not,
0: not even the baseball Manny Ramirez.
1: This Trevor Simeon guy looks like uh,
0: Bill Nye, the science
1: guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. So they went to which round did they draft this fool? Seventh. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah he's
0: awful. Yeah. He'll never play unless he's the next Tom Brady. Then I'll leave Might as well words.
1: have drafted Ahmad Rashad. No. They
0: drafted a. They took a tight end in the third round. I thought that was interesting. I guess Kubiak's offense calls for a tight end though, and they let go of. Uh, Yeah, but they brought
1: in, what's his name, from who's
0: it? Owen Daniels? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They they got Virgil Green back. I think Virgil Green might have a pretty decent season.
1: Owen Daniels, or as I call him, the guy who follows Kubiak
0: around. (laughs) I think this is going to be the breakout season for Virgil Green.
1: (laughs) The breakout Virgil Green season?
0: Yeah, it's coming. And, yeah, Owen Daniels, Gary Kubiak, package deal, just like your Colorado sports guys are a package deal.
1: I am not seeing any uh, Shannon Sharps
0: in this draft. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, man. Let's get out of here. Carousell Sports, guys. Podcast number four thousand six hundred eighty-two. Appreciate all you guys out there listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Should I play some outro music? You should. What are you doing? All right.